Amen. Thank God for them, for His mercy. For His mercy. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Numbers 14? And we're going to read from verse 18 to, to verse 21. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your mercy, Lord. We thank you that your mercy is more, Lord, than all of our sins, Lord. And Lord, we do praise your great name tonight, Lord. And we pray, Father, for the preaching of thy word, Lord. We pray, Lord, Lord, that you would have your way in this house tonight, Lord, that Lord, that I would not be seen or heard, but they would see and hear Christ, O oh God, tonight, Lord. We pray even tonight, Lord, that someone, some poor lost sinner, Lord, would experience of that mercy tonight, O oh God. We pray, Father, that you would have your way in this house tonight, Lord. We glorify your great name, Lord. Lord, we love you, Lord. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Numbers 14. Verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressing, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. And by no means clearing the guilty. You know, I was delivering oil in, in Ballyclare last week. And I saw a mural on a wall. It was a loyalist mural. And it really caught me eye. But it, it wasn't so much the picture that caught my eye, but it was what was written below the picture that really caught my attention. And it said this, Show no mercy and expect none. Show no mercy and expect none. And you know, that really got me thinking about this word mercy. You know, in the day, in the day before I was saved, that was something that I probably would have got tattooed on my arm or on the back or somewhere. Show no mercy. And expect none. Thank God that it didn't. But you know, whenever, whenever I was growing up, that was the mindset. 
That was the mindset most of us young fellas had. Now, I'm going back to the 70s and to the 80s. But that was the mindset that we had. And if I may say, a lot of older people had as well. And even today, you know, I know many, many men and women who are very close to me. And they've still got that mindset. They've still got that same attitude. Show no mercy. And expect none in return. You know, that was drummed into us from a very, very early age. Whether it was on a football pitch, Trevor, or whether you were out in the streets, you were to show no mercy and expect none in return. Especially whenever it came to the Catholic Protestant thing. The attitude was you beat it up them and you beat it into them. That was the attitude. And I think that attitude still prevails today. Because as my dad would always say to me, that's what they would do to you. You beat it up them and you beat it into them. Show no mercy. Show no mercy. And expect none in return. But you know, friends, how ironic that statement is to me now. Well, how, you may ask, well, for someone who showed no mercy, for someone who gave no mercy, and for someone who deserved no mercy, friends, over these last 30 years, God has lavished his mercy upon me, upon me. He's poured out bucket loads. Please excuse the expression. But he's poured out bucket loads of mercy upon me. But you know what, but you know what the most amazing thing about this is? I didn't deserve an ounce, even an ounce of God's mercy. I deserve nothing from God but his wrath, his fury, and his indignation. You know, I was a total, totally the opposite to what God wanted a man to be. You know, right from an early age, I was rebell- in rebellion against God, against his word, and against his ways. Obviously, at an early age, I didn't, I didn't really know much about God. I didn't really know much about the word of God, about the Bible. We, we were sent to Paisley's on the Ravenhill Road every Sunday. And as I always said, I think my mom and dad done that just to get us out of the house so they get their heads piece. But the wee minibus would come round to Douglas Street on the Beersbridge Road there and collect us all and take us to Paisley's on a Sunday afternoon. But you know something, friends, that meant nothing to me. That meant nothing to me. We just run about wild, getting up to everything. And, you know, as I get older, as I get older, my heart get colder and my heart get harder. The world and all the attractions of that world out there became my focus. You know, I would have done anything and I would have gone anywhere just to find pleasure in this world. You know, I'll be honest with you, friends, I was totally addicted to the world. I was totally 
addicted to the world. You know, I was addicted to drink. I was what you call a weekend alcoholic. I don't know if there is such a thing, but that's what I was. I get paid on a Thursday, and by a Sunday night, I hadn't a penny in my pocket. I drunk it all. Drunk. Give my mother her money, because that was the first thing you had to do in our house. Make sure you give your ma your money, and then the rest. I'll be honest with you, friends, I drunk it. I drunk the rest. Spent it all in drink. And on top of all that, it was filled with bitterness and hatred. And in my teenage years and, and early 20s, that really, really got a hold of me. As we, as, as we used to say years ago, the hatred was hanging out of them. Have you ever heard that expression? The hatred was hanging out of them. There was certainly no mercy in my heart for those of the other religion. And you know, friends, see, whenever I think about it now, it frightens me. Isn't that right, Timothy? It frightens me as to how much hatred and bitterness I had in my heart. You know, it was like a cancer that was eating away at me. When I think of the many, many, many situations that I found myself in and how close I was to doing someone serious, serious, serious harm. And also to myself, you know, I thank God for his mercy upon me. I thank God for his mercy upon me. You know, if you'd have told my mother or father or my brothers and sisters or even my old drinking buddies, if you'd have told them that in 30 years' time, Stephen would be standing giving his testimony of how Jesus saved him. They would have laughed at you. I'm being really honest tonight. They would have laughed at you. They said, you're mad. You're mad. There's no hope for him. There's no hope for him. He's too far. There's no one that can reach him. Friends, I was the black sheep of the family. You asked my mum. I was the black sheep of the family. Friends, I had no time for God. I had no time for God or the things of God. My heart was hard and it was bitter. I was angry. I was an angry young man and everybody knew it. I pushed sin right to the very edge of the envelope. And some of, his, some of you will know what I'm talking about here. I pushed it right to the very edge. So much sin in my life. But you know something, friends? Praise God. As the song said, His mercy, His mercy, His mercy was more. You know, my see, see, whenever I think of that, my heart is stirred. My heart is stirred. His mercy, His mercy, is mo it's more than all the sin that I had gathered up. Friends, His mercy his mercy is whenever a man is standing in a bar on the top of the shankle road with two pint bottles of harp in his hands and it's kicking off outside and they're ratting and throwing petrol bombs and blast bombs and, and, and your natural inclinations is to go out and to get involved. But no, the mercy of God comes upon you and you set those two bottles of beer down and you walk out of that bar and instead of turning to get into that rat, you turn the other way and you start walking down that shankle road crying. I was crying. 
I was crying. I was sobbing my heart out for no reason. For no reason other than the mercy of God. It came upon me. It came upon me. My sins, which were many, but his mercy. Friend, hear me tonight. His mercy is more. Friends, the mercy of God is when a man just bursts out crying for no reason. No reason whatsoever when he's convicted of his sins. It not only happened to me walking down that road, but it happened to me in my own home. When I sat and I thought about the sin, that I was in the sins that I had committed. Friends, I'll tell you, I burst out weeping. I was 25 years of age, 26, 25. I burst out crying. Mama said, you're mad. You're nuts. There's something wrong with you. But no, friends, it was the mercy of God. It was the mercy of God moving upon my heart. Friends, my sins, which were many. But his mercy, his mercy is more. Friends, the mercy of God is when a man hears of a shooting on the Omer Road and five innocent people are shot dead. They're shot dead. And at one time, this man would have cheered in delight at the light of hearing such news. But now his heart is pained. His heart is pained and filled with sorrow at the hearing of such news. Oh, friends, listen to me. My sins, which were many. My sins, which were many. But his mercy, his mercy is more. Friends, I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But he lavished, he lavished his mercy upon me and upon many that are sitting in this room tonight. Is that not right, Brent? Is that not right, Hassan? Is that not right, Andy, Jeff? Is that not right? He lavished his mercy upon many. Here ten- Our sins, which are many, but his mercy, friends, his mercy is more. You know, it's his mercy that leads a man to repentance. It's his mercy that leads a man to repentance. It's his mercy that melts the hardened heart. Friends, it's his mercy that can set the prisoners free. You know, I like what the hymn writer said. Mercy rewrote my life. I should have fallen, my soul cast down, but mercy, mercy rewrote my life. You know, the world may have wrote me off. That world may have wrote me off, but not God. But not God, for you see, on the 17th September, 1989, God's mercy, God's mercy had rewrote my life. Had rewrote my life. Psalm 86 and 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous, and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon thee. Friends, I'm glad the Lord has plenty of mercy. I'm glad the Lord has plenty of mercy. Why? Because I had plenty of sin. I had plenty of sin. My sins, which were many. But his mercy, friends. His mercy is more. Friend, hear me tonight. He's got more mercy than you will ever have sin. He's got more mercy than you will ever have sin. But you know what the most amazing thing about this is? My God, my God is good and he's ready to forgive. He's good and he's ready to forgive. He's ready to show mercy. You know, you may be the most hardened sinner in this room tonight. You may have shook your fist at God and blamed God and blasphemed God. But friends, can I tell you, 
the Lord is good. The Lord is good and he's ready to forgive you. He's ready to forgive you. And he wants to shower his mercy upon you tonight. Do you know what you, all you have to do? All you have to do is repent. All you have to do is repent and call out to him for mercy. You know, in the Bible, God's mercy means his pity. It means his compassion. It means his kindness towards people. His mercy shows up in the believer's life at salvation and then continues to show mercy. And then God continues to show mercy and forgiveness. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you hear that tonight? Mercy triumphs over judgment. But listen, friends, the flip side of that is refusing God's mercy is disastrous. Refusing God's mercy is disastrous. Friends, I can't stress that enough tonight. To refuse the offer of God's mercy and God's salvation is to, to, to throw your, to damn your soul into a lost eternity forever and forever. You know, the heart of God is that all men, is that all men would be saved and to receive of his mercy. But you know, there comes a time, friend, there comes a time when God withdraws his offer, his offer of mercy upon a man or a woman. There comes a time when God says, enough, enough. I have strove with this man, I have strove with this woman for long enough. You know, the Lord says in Genesis 6 and 3, my spirit shall not always strive with man. My spirit shall not always strive with man. The Spirit of God may strive long with a man or a woman. But friends, hear me. If the Spirit is resisted continually, if the Spirit is quenched, if the Spirit be fought against, then friend, there does come a time. There does come a time when God will withdraw his Spirit from a man and leave him to his own devices. Friends, a terrible place to be in. A terrible place to be. Left without God and left without mercy. You know, God delights in mercy and therefore a gracious warning is given. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Friend, I'll say it again. It's the long suffering of God that brings a man to repentance. You know, if you had to choose one word, one word that could sum up God, then I believe that word would be mercy. I believe that word would be mercy. He is a God of mercy. You know, they can't say that about Allah. They can't say that about Muhammad. They can't say that about Buddha or Hare Krishna. No, but you can say it about our God. Ephesians 2 and 4 says, and I think it was mentioned this morning, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, you just look at verse 4 there. But God, who is rich in mercy. Isn't that, isn't that just a beautiful verse? Our God, who is rich, in mercy. And you know what that means? It means his mercy is overflowing. It means his mercy is abundant. It means it just keeps on flowing. It's never ending. You know, someone once said, the tank of God's mercy never 
ever runs dry. You know, our petrol tank may run dry. Our oil tank may run dry. Our, our gas tank may run dry. But praise God, the tank of God's mercy, friends, it never, ever runs dry. You know, one commentator said, mercy is the riches or the wealth of God. People are often rich in gold and silver and diamonds, and they pride themselves in these possessions. But God is rich in mercy and that he abounds and he's so rich in it that he's willing to impart it to others. So rich that he can make all blessed. Friends, our God is willing. He's willing to impart his mercy to others tonight. Tonight. No matter the color of your skin, no matter your creed, no matter your nationality, no matter who you are or what you've done, no matter what you've done in this life, no matter what you haven't done in this life, you know, you could be the most wicked man in this earth tonight. But you know what, friends? Do you see if you come to God? Do you see if you come to God genuinely, genuinely with a heart of repentance, with a heart of remorse, with a heart of forgiveness for all the sins that you have forgiven, then God is bound by his word. God is bound by his word to show you mercy and forgiveness. You know, I know that's hard for some of us to get our heads around, isn't it? It's hard for some of us to get our heads around it. How can God forgive him? How can God forgive her? Sure, sure they've done this. Sure, they have done that. Well, well, friend, I'll tell you why. The first is because he made us. He made us. He created us. He created you and me. He made us in his image. And he loves us. Friends, he loves us as a father loves his children. So does God love us. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent him into this world to die on a cruel cross for us, for us, friends, for us, to pay the price for our sins. For you see, friends, he would have none to perish. Our God would have none to perish, but that all, all may have everlasting life. It's the love of God for his creation that enables him to extend that arm of, of forgiveness and mercy to poor lost sinners. No matter who you are, friend, or what you've done. Look at the thief on the cross. Look at the thief on the cross. Forgiven at the point of death. Look at those around the cross. Those who crucified our Savior. What did Christ say? Father forgive them. Father forgive them. For they know not what they do. Grace and mercy extended to those who killed him. Look at Paul the Apostle. He hated Christ. He, he hated the followers of Christ. He had them stoned. He had them beaten. He had them thrown into prison. Men, women, and children. But on a street called Straight Street, Paul experienced the love and the grace and the mercy of God. You know, you would have thought that God would maybe have been angry with Paul. You would have thought that God would have maybe have chastised Paul in some way for, for, for the ravage that he had, that he had wrought amongst his church, among God's people. And friends, let's be honest with ourselves tonight. If it was you and I dealing with Paul, then we would have been angry. We would have chastised Paul in some way. We would have made him pay for the, for the wrong that he did on God's people. I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. 
Is that not right? I've got my eye on you. I've, I've, I've your card marked tonight. Friends, that would have been us. Is that not right? I mean, let's, let's be real here. But look at the Lord's reaction to Paul. Exodus 9 and 15. And this is on an ass, told by God to go and lay hands on Paul. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Friends, he wasn't thrown on the strap heap of religion. He wasn't chastised in any way by God. He wasn't left to do all the mediocre jobs in the church that no one likes to do. But no, the Lord said, he's a chosen vessel. He's a chosen vassal unto me to bear my name before kings and before the Gentiles and before the children of Israel. What a calling, friends. What a calling. A chosen vassal. A chosen vassal unto the Lord to bear his name before a lost world. No better calling than that, friends. But you know it's even more remarkable than that. Look at the mercy. Look at the mercy God bestows Upon Paul. He deserved nothing from God but his wrath. But the Lord in his great mercy. Poured out his mercy upon him. And called him for greater. And higher things. You know there might even be a Paul sitting amongst us here tonight. You've kicked against the pricks. You're angry with God. You're angry with this church. You feel that God has let you down. So in your mind, you're out to try and destroy God. You're out to try and destroy his church. Well, friend, maybe you've forgotten one thing. And that's the mercy of God. That's the mercy of God. You may not want it. You may not want it. You may not deserve it. But friend, let me tell you tonight, if God bestows his mercy upon you, just like Paul, then there's nothing that you can do about it. Your heart will be melted and your blinded eyes will be opened and you will be a tool in the master's hand. Who knows what calling he has for you tonight? You know, there are many throughout the Bible and many all down throughout church history and the testimony is that they've kicked against the pricks. They've rebelled against God. They've they've threw God's word over their shoulders and despised it. But when God showers his mercy upon them, their hearts are melted. Their hearts are melted. And they become the men of God that God wants them to be. Their sins, which were many, but God's mercy is more. And friends, his mercy is still free and available here tonight for any, for any who would call upon him. It's for the whosoever. It's for the whosoever. You know, friends, as I come to a close tonight, let me tell you a story. And it's a story of two men. One who found mercy and one who didn't. And this story is found in the Gospels in Luke 16. And you all know it very well. It's of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man, well, he wore the best of clothes. And he and he had the best of food. And Lazarus was a beggar. And he lay at the gate of the rich man's house. 
his body was full of sores and he, was, and, he, and he desired to be fed from the crumbs from off the rich man's table. He was looking for mercy from the rich man, but obviously there was no mercy to be found with him. Well, one day the beggar died and he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. He went straight to heaven. He found mercy. He found mercy with God. And the rich man, well, he died. And he was buried. And he went straight to hell. He went straight to hell. He never received of God's mercy. And in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes. And he saw Abraham afar off with, with Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried unto, unto Abraham to have mercy. Have mercy upon him. And to send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water. So that he may cool his tongue. For he was tormented in hell. Tormented, friends. Tormented in hell. You know, hell is a very real place. Hell is a very real. It's as real as heaven. It's as real as we are sitting here tonight. And that rich man is in hell tonight as I'm preaching this message. And in hell, he cries out for mercy. He cries out for mercy so that Lazarus may come and cool his tongue. For he was in torments. He was in torments. And you know, friends, that just tells me a few things about hell. It tells me that you'll be able to see in hell. That you'll be able to speak in hell. That you'll be able to feel pain in hell. And further down in the same chapter, it says that you'll be able to remember in hell. Remember in hell. Remember all the times of, 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 of the offer of God's mercy upon your life and all the times that you rejected that offer of mercy. Friends, that's scary tonight. That's scary. But you know the most scary thing is the rich man couldn't find mercy in hell. He couldn't find mercy in hell. He pleaded with Abraham for mercy. But Abraham said, there's a big gulf fixed here between you and I, and you can't cross over. It's fixed. It's fixed for time and for eternity. There's no mercy. There's no mercy to be found. You know, Matthew Henry said this. The day is coming when those that make light of divine mercy will beg hard for it. Let me repeat that again. The day is coming, and I believe it's coming very, very soon. But the day is coming when those that made light of divine mercy will beg hard to find it. The rich man begged for mercy. Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? But, oh, friend, no mercy. No mercy will be found. No mercy will be found when you're in the depths of hell. The doors of mercy will be shut tight. The rich man then said, 
Then send to my father's house where I have five brethren, that I may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But no, no, Abraham denies him this favor also. Friends, there's no request granted in hell. There's no request granted in hell. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them, the word of God. The preacher preaches every week. The offer of mercy is freely available. Let them respond to that. But friends, someday soon, someday soon, the book is going to be closed. The preacher's voice is going to fall silent. And the offer of mercy is going to be withdrawn. It's going to be withdrawn. Friend, I urge you, tonight, if you hear his voice, his voice, harden not your heart. For today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can receive mercy from God before it's too late. Before it's too late. It was too late for the rich man. Friend, I ask you, will you leave it too late? Will you leave it too late? Will you leave it too late to cry out for mercy? Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Yes, friend, there is. There is tonight, right now. God's mercy is free, unavailable. All you have to do is to come. Come and receive of his offer of mercy tonight. Amen. Let's buy in a word of prayer.